The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus the IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello. Welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's December the 21st, 2023, and this is episode number 16 Merry Christmas. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about Lucid CEO Peter Rawlinson sharing more information about its Lucid Gravity and the health and plans of the company. Volkswagen Group finally adopting Tesla's North American charging standard, a solid state battery to be used by Chinese automaker NIO, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the beatific Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the massively masterful Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic practically palatial halls of Spec studios where he produces high voltage videos for a number of youtube channels hi there everybody good to see you all good afternoon merry merry good morning Hello, everyone all right so uh let's see it's time i guess we should listen <laughs> it's time to kick in for the uh, ev news daily weekly reporting roundup take it away martin well, Hyundai is developing the Ionic 2, a more affordable EV positioned below the 5 and 6, aimed at breaking into the market of around €20,000 price band, despite challenges like the current ineligibility of Hyundais for the federal tax credits in the US. Well, Tesla's North American charging standard, NACS, is set to become the official charging standard in North America, following the publication of the SAA, uh, SAE J3400 technical report, uh, with the Department of Transportation integrating these new standards into government-funded charging stations. And then Volkswagen, along with its subsidiaries, Audi, Porsche and Scout, will adopt Tesla's Nax connector for their EVs in North America. Like the others, starting in 2025, they are the latest automakers to embrace the standard. Also exploring an adapter for existing models to access the supercharger network, enabling over 15,000 supercharging stations to work with those VW Group cars and more than 3,800 DC fast charging outlets operated by Electrify America and Electrify Canada. Well, starting in February, Ford and GM both say that their EVs with the adapters will gain access to Tesla's superchargers ahead of the broader industry's shift to NACs in 2025. Although the 
New models with the native Nax connector are not expected until the 2025 model year. Those equipped with CCS connectors can use these superchargers through the adapter, marking a big step in EV charging infrastructure and compatibility in the United States and across North America. Of course, although the Tesla Model 3 long-range and rear-wheel drive variants have had some bad news this week. They are set to lose their eligibility for the $7,500 federal, uh, federal tax credit, the IRS Clean Vehicle Tax Credit, as indicated by Tesla themselves. And bad news for GM and Ford announcing that their EVs will lose eligibility for the tax credit. The Lyric, uh, the Cadillac Lyric, the Chevy Blazer, Ford's E-Transit, Mac-E, and others will be affected, like Ford's F-150 EV Lightning, and the Chevy Bolt, if you can get any of those in 2024, um, uh, the Ford F-150 and the Bolt retaining their tax credit. A new bit of a bombshell report this week by Reuters looked at Tesla documents and interviews. Many Tesla owners it revealed widespread failures, premature failures in suspension and steering parts across Tesla's model lineup dating back seven years. They described those chronic failures in relatively new vehicles internally acknowledged by Tesla engineers on internal documents as flaws and failures. Despite this internal recognition, uh, Tesla still hasn't fully disclosed the extent of any defects to consumers and safety regulators. Reuters claim the documents include repair reports engineer analyses and instructions to technicians on how to inform or perhaps misinform consumers. Norway's traffic regulator, traffic safety regulator, the NPRA, is conducting an inquiry into suspension failures on Tesla's EVs, specifically S and X. They opened this investigation back in September 2022, and we're waiting to hear the outcome of that. Now, bit of a, a bit of a week for Tesla, to be honest with you. They also had to roll out a software update to over 2 million vehicles, uh, which was an official recall. So, yes, it was a software issue, but it does get marked down in the books, if you like, as a recall. It's one of those things that has to be done. Uh, and that's based on uh, the issues with the autopilot. Now, Consumer Reports say that they got their update, and based on the first tests, uh, that the recall, which was instigated by the NHTSA, is insufficient so far because it relies on the internal camera, the cabin-facing camera in Teslas, which many Tesla fans have been posting on Reddit and the forums. Uh, they get the little stick-on cover, they just slide across, and it circumvents the driver attention monitoring methods. Well, Hyundai is expanding its N-Line series of sporty vehicles with the Kona N-Line for a 2025 model year. We're seeing it in camouflage spy shots recently with uh, the charging port in the bumper and the LED DRLs and the lower grille pretty visible. So we think this is the existing Kona look and model, uh, but with a sportier powertrain. Chris and Julie Ramsey, the husband and wife adventurers, have set a remarkable record by driving their Nissan Aria E-Force from the north to the south poles. The first time a car has completed the pole-to-pole -pole journey, over 10 months and 18,000 miles. And Kia is venturing into the commercial vehicle sector. We'll find out more at CES in January. Uh, recent announcements suggest a focus on customization and adaptability for businesses. A new look for the Genesis GV70. That's their third all-electric model, launched back in 2021. 
new facelift coming, a facelift coming for next year, and that is the first U.S.-built EV from the company from their assembly line in Alabama. And VW releasing uh, some teaser images of the ID. Two, the SUV hinting at a design resembling the style of the T-Cross. The new model will share similarities with the upcoming Skoda L-Rock for 2025. A new, more affordable, cheaper city car. Right, that is your news for this week. And who knows, next week, maybe there'll be a bit of news. Maybe we'll do uh, something else. But thank you very much for uh, enjoying these little news things we've introduced this year. Dom, it's back to you. Da, 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 da. All right, thank you. Uh, okay, good morning. So, oh, actually, before we get going, uh, we had a, a question, a super question thingy. Uh, Kayvon K- K- asked us uh, if uh, he's, he's found a 2019, uh, uh, what you call, Audi e-tron edition one, fully loaded, fully loaded, 17,000 miles, $39,000. Is that a good price or should I negotiate down? I don't know, top of my head, I think it's a pretty good price, but you could probably get it down a little bit. Kyle, real quick. Uh, it seems like it's nine grand too expensive. All the edition ones were like uh, the super early ones that had a lot of bugs and issues, and many of them are uh, manufacturer buybacks from early problems on the car. So make sure it's a clean title. Um, we have a whole series actually answering questions like this called Battery Bargains, and that is on this channel, and we do it every what day? Monday, we've been going Monday, Tuesday, okay. uh, early all, all depending. Yes. So, so, you know, send us your car questions. Dominic can provide the email and we'll answer them on the battery bargains show. Thank you, Kyle. That's what I should have said. <laughs> all right. So, uh, there's, there's the email address up there on the screen. Battery bargains at batteries included podcast.com. Uh, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. That's Merry Christmas to you. It's very generous. Hey, Tom, let's start with you this week because you had a great conversation with the CEO of Lucid Motors, Peter Rollinson, while sitting in a Lucid Gravity SUV prototype. Um, maybe maybe just start by telling us how you managed to land this interview. It's like an amazing get. Yeah, it was pretty good. And it was um, kind of spur of the moment. I, I wasn't ready to do. I mean, you're always ready to sit down and talk with somebody, but I wasn't expecting it. So Lucid had a, a, a very small private event planned in New York City at the Classic Car Club. It was actually a dinner for VIPs and I think Lucid customers. And um, what they did was, since they were going to have the gravity there on display, they invited a, a few local journalists uh, during the day to stop by. And they're like, well, we're going to be kind of setting up for the evening and uh, if you want to come, uh, you could check out the gravity. You know, there's going to be a couple people here. Maybe you could do a short interview, um, product planners and so forth. Um, and I live close to New York City. It's, it's an easy ride for me to get in there. So I said, sure, I'll I'll, I'll take you up on that because I haven't um, seen the gravity in person yet. So I went over and I was shooting some video and taking some pictures, getting B-roll for like future videos. I, I, I was going to do a quick video on the whole I first look gravity. Uh, and then Peter showed up and he was there for that evening. Evidently, you know, it's a VIP thing. So he's got to be there. And, uh, they weren't even, I don't think even the, uh, staff wasn't expecting him to come as early as he did. So he came in, of course, everybody's talking to him and I kind of stayed back and I was shooting video of the car. Cause it was almost good 
when he showed up because everybody went to talk to him. So now I had the car alone. There was nobody around it. So I'm shooting video and everything. And then um, uh, uh, one of their PR guys comes over and is like, you know, Peter wants to know if you want to sit down in the car and do an, in an interview. And I was like, you know, of course, you know, you know, it's like, all right, yeah, we'll get him wired up. And we'll, we'll, we'll get him wired up and, and hop in the car. And it was pretty cool because there were, there were other journalists there. Nobody else was offered that opportunity to sit down and talk with him, which I thought was, was pretty cool. So um, we, um, we hopped in the car and just started talking gravity. You know, I didn't have any, I, I, I said it caught, it caught me off guard. Really. I, I usually like to think about what do I want to ask? And right. you could always come up with things, but I I'm, I'm like a planner guy. Like Kyle, Kyle would probably have had 10 better questions during the interview than I would, because that's just how his brain thinks. He's really good at spur of the moment on, on site stuff. I'm, I plan everything I do. I'm methodical and everything. So, um, you know, but uh, I let him talk because that's people want to hear him talk, not me. So I just kind of, prodded him a few times and just let him talk. So we talked about the fact that the the motors for the gravity are basically the same as the air, but they have um, made some changes to make them more efficient. So it's not the same motors as the gravity. Overall, they didn't redesign, make a new motor, but it, it is different than what's in the air right now. Uh, the battery cells, the battery chemistry is slightly different. So it's not what goes in the air today. So the, he said the energy density is a little bit better. Um, so they, they made slight improvements there. Hey, hey Tom, uh, can, I, can I interrupt you just for a second? Yeah, sure. So do you think this means the, the, the amount of energy in the cells, the cells format, I guess is the same, but it's just like a, maybe a few yes. more uh, amp hours or something? Yeah, slightly. The cell format's the same. Okay. It's, they're not different cells. He just said the chemistry is slightly improved. Okay. Um, and, and he said, you know, and that's what he, Basically talked a lot about, you know, how they're constantly trying to improve and make and make things better, um, which, you know, all CEOs are going to say that anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it does seem like they're they that they're focused on trying to be as efficient as possible. So it, it, so we talked about a lot of things. You see me sitting there now. We're talking about the steering wheel because um, right. I asked him about, you know, did you consider a yoke? You know, uh, you know, um, and he said, actually, we did. And he said, you know, I've driven the yoke quite a few times. He said, I really, you know, I, do, I, I, I like it for long highway drives. It's, 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 it's fine. He said, but I just couldn't get used to it in, in city environments and making turns. And, uh, and I think that's what exactly what he's talking about now with his arms doing this. Yeah. And when, when you're spinning the steering wheel, so he's, he was like, we just decided that wasn't the right solution, but we didn't just want to go with a round wheel. So they decided they were going to use that squircle wheel, which is just, you know, a, a square, circle and uh <laughs> he talked about the fact that they made 25 iterations of it and um now when he's grabbing it there he's telling me that uh the, the easiest way to make these iterations was to you know make it out of aluminum so you know he was driving well he drove all of them uh and testing them and he was like the, the steering wheel in the winter was like so cold you know he's like but we we had to get the right grip um and uh, so that, i mean that shows you the level of involvement that he was has with the car the ceo is you know personally testing each steering wheel to to see which one um, they he you know approved. So um, yeah, we talked about the interior layout. Now he's talking about the screen there and how they decided not to go with the um, vertical screen, do a horizontal screen, and the fact that they didn't make it retract because you know that while that's a fantastic feature in the air, he's like mm. you, you you don't understand how difficult it is 
to make something like that and make it work all the time. You know, if a customer's knee hits it and just throws it off whack or, you know, you hit really hard bumps or whatever, you know? So he was kind of like, yeah, it was a good experiment, but I don't think we're going to see that in future airs or the retractable tree, just the way he was talking about it. It was kind of like, you know, Elon, when he talked about the, uh, the, doors the falcon doors, doors. You know, like, yeah, yeah yeah you know we, we we got them to work but we kind of wish we didn't do that you know and i got that feeling that that's how he felt about that um the screen that retract in and out um yeah so i mean o- overall so, the biggest thing that i found from the show uh from the interview was he's definitely bothered by the press that um constantly posts how much money loses losing per vehicle Right. I understand that. And you, you have to report that, that the company's losing money. But I I also understand we went through this with Tesla. You know, for how many years did did everything focus on Tesla's losing $150,000 per car? If Tesla didn't have these subsidies, they'd be bankrupt. If they weren't selling carbon credits, there'd be no Tesla. And there's truth to all that. But you have to understand car companies in particular, they're so capital intensive. You're never going to make money in the first decade probably you know it's it takes a while you have to crawl then stand up then walk before you're running and they're still just a couple years into selling their first vehicle so of course it's going to lose money now i'm now i I, i'm not as sophisticated enough in finances to say well they're losing too much money you know they should be losing money but they're losing too much and that means they're not going to make it i don't i'm not diving into their books to try to figure out if they have enough runway if the investment fund that's funding them has enough or is going to fund them enough to for lucid to make it that the the you know the jury's still out whether they're going to be a car company 20 years from now um uh, you know but uh, i i could tell that it's wearing on him that he's getting constantly badgered by the press with where they're losing four hundred thousand dollars they're losing four hundred and forty thousand dollars so he made it a point to talk about the investment you know we're not losing money we're take every penny we make is going into new factories we expanded the factory here we're building new factories we're tooling up for a second vehicle which is extraordinarily expensive you know to, to do we're working on our platform that's going to come out mid-decade and that's the platform that's going to drastically reduce the price of the vehicles we're going to be able to sell more affordable vehicles you know, he said more than once, I think that we're not a niche car maker that panders to the rich, which you read that in the news also. So I'm, I could tell it's mm-hmm. it's grating on him, the, the, the what, what people are writing. Um, you know, we, 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 we don't see ourselves as, uh, you know, this this uh, expensive car company long term. We want the vehicles to, to be able to be affordable. But in order to do that, we have to do what we're doing now. You can't start off with a $40,000 car. You just you you. you there's no, there's no pathway to profitability that way. So in any event, that's, that's the biggest take that I got out of it that, you know, that you could tell it's wearing on him that, um, you know, that the, all the negative press. Right. Which doesn't um, surprise me, you know, it would, wear on, it would wear on me, you know, so. Yeah. We had the same situation with Rivian just recently, you know, there's a big, a lot of articles one week, you know, about around the same time, there was a bunch of lucid articles as well saying, oh, these companies are losing so much per car. Uh, yeah. And it's just not a great way of looking at how yeah. the, the financial health of, a, of an auto company, automaker, especially a startup one. It doesn't. Well, we used to report on that at Inside EVs with Tesla. You remember. Right. It was like oh, yeah. every every quarter. Oh, Tesla lost $700 million this quarter, $600 million the next quarter. You know, uh, it, when they only lost half a billion in a quarter, it was a victory. 
Right. You know, so, you know, you understand. But, you know, we still that's not to say that you look at Lucid right now and say, oh, they're in a good position. Yeah, no, no. They're they're not, you know, but uh, I also understand that, you know, this is this is how you start a car company. There's no other way to do it, really. Well, looking at Lucid and, and Rivian, I would say Lucid uh, Rivian has is in an improving situation, where Lucid situation is not like they really need sales basically, and and they're they haven't really executed well on sales, and also about this messaging you, you're talking about, you know, they don't want to be uh, just like this niche luxury car company. Well, I haven't really actually heard that message. You know, maybe maybe I haven't. It just hasn't sunk in. But yeah, they, I think they need to. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, they need to get the gravity they, out first. They need yeah, to get that next vehicle out. I think that's going to be, if it delivers on what they promise with right. a starting price point of under uh, 80000 so it'll qualify for the, the tax credit. Hey, I think that will be a, a good step in the right direction. I think that's the form factor that a lot of people want. It's kind of like a minivan more than an SUV. It really is. If you look at the side profile, it looks more like a minivan than an SUV. It is extraordinarily voluminous and the inside okay. of it is huge i mean it, it it almost should have a sliding door on the side because it, it just the whole you know uh, look at the side profile it's it's more minivan than uh than suv in my opinion okay i see this we're looking at the rear rear door passenger door looking toward the back and yeah it, just, it looks i like the way the, uh, the, the rear there. two seats like kind of sink right into the uh right close to the back there right it's like right between the wheel wells uh so what, what do you think uh kyle the messaging from lucid is have they really you know sold that they're not just like a premium brand to you uh not yet and i think it's not the time yet for them to really push the we are the every man's car because at this point they still start at 70 something thousand dollars for an air pure rear wheel drive and i think the owners of lucid today are looking for that more exclusive more premium look feel image that they can, you know, say to their friends who bought a model S, well i've got a lucid next level up uh, when they park it next to their friend's Tesla. And so I don't think it's the time right now to really share the message other than to investors, which is not my world. Right. I know nothing about that, that they are, you know, the everyman's car. To the consumer, it's great that they're viewed as sort of this premium EV brand where they run into problems, perhaps, as not everyone knows how inexpensive you might be able to buy one new. Um, but I think they can balance that with the, um, air of exclusivity if you will with uh you know that starting price point that maybe not everyone knows um in the future though yeah can't wait to see what their their mid-sized car looks like i have not listened to the interview yet but i it is on my saved for today i'm doing a range test today so it's going to be one that pops up as i'm cruising along and uh, very much looking forward to listening to it Right. On. Yes, that's exactly how i was picturing it you know investors need to know about the, this kind of stuff but you know, messaging now you get a message what you're selling, and so and that's you know premium premium vehicles. So yeah, I was going to ask Tom too what what he thought about the uh, the Lucid Gravity in person, and so mini vanish, but but nice though, right? Oh yeah, it was really nice. I mean, I, okay. I, I I you could tell you're sitting in a Lucid as soon as you hop into it. You know, it 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 definitely has that same design language. Uh, I thought it was really nice. I, I thought it was, I mean, I was, I was surprised by the s- amount of space 
because it's it's not um you know i have a rivian r1s the r1s is bigger it's a couple inches longer a lot taller the rivian is um it's not a tall uh you know suv uh it's it, okay. it has the, a lower roof height than some of its competitors and i think that's partially to get the arrow down you know to have a good um um cda and uh and evidently they do uh, it's it's it seems to be very efficient i mean they're talking more than 440 miles uh per charge from a, around 120 kilowatt hour battery pack from an suv uh, uh you know that's epa which is um you know 3.65 uh miles per kilowatt hour that would beat anything else out there as far as uh you know efficiency wise and uh, a lot of it had to do with the arrow which we talked about Right. But I was surprised at, at how much volume it felt like it was inside. It really, it reminded me of being in like a Chrysler Pacifica. Like, uh, it's, no, it's not that big, but it felt voluminous on the inside. And uh, all, uh, of course, all nice materials and everything, uh, you know, everything was uh, premium, you know. And uh, and I think, uh, you know, when I talked before about the messaging, I think Peter more so was trying to say, you know, that's, that's what we our long-term goals, not what we are today. But right. to Kyle's point, you're, you're right. Talk about what you are today. Um, when you are what you hope to be, that's when you talk about that more, you know. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I I I was impressed. The interior was very nice. Um, and, and I like the interior of the, car, of the air. I mean, I think the air is, you know, very well-appointed, very comfortable car to drive in. And I, I expect the same from gravity. Right. Which driving should be maybe next summer, I think, is what we talked about. Okay, and you you wrote up an article for Inside EVs uh, with your video, and you have a little chart here that com has an, an inefficiency comparison with uh, through four other three-row all-wheel drive electric SUVs, mm -hmm. and man, the gravity on this, according to this chart at least, is twenty-nine kilowatt hours per hundred miles compared to like the worst would be the Rivian at forty-seven. Yeah, but a, you know, I will say one thing. I made a little mistake with that. I oh. did that for my my um uh for YouTube channel. It's not really a mistake, but it, maybe it was a uh I probably should have put the Rivian with the dual motor on there oh, instead okay. of sure. that was with quad motor, like because I owned one and I was comparing it to my Rivian. But right. then after I put it up, I said, you know, to be fair, I probably should have used the dual motor because I think that's a little bit more efficient. It still mm -hmm. would have probably been the least efficient of the three row SUVs, but the numbers would have been a little bit better. But this right. is based off EPA stated. Yes, this is EPA, which includes charging losses. Um, I, I didn't have a, um, a good miles per kilowatt uh, on all those other vehicles, a real world miles per kilowatt to compare to, because, you know, Peter had talked about, we're going to come in at 3.65, somewhere there. So this is the kilowatt hour per 100 miles is right. is epa numbers and that includes charging losses so that includes you know the you're charging uh, on level two the charging losses now if i would have and i estimated those numbers it says see all estimates for for, for the for the gravity if if i would have just gone off peter's numbers that he gave me it would have been like 26 uh kilowatt wow. hour per 100 miles but i added a few for charging losses because i know that's baked into the other figures okay I still think it's pretty impressive, you know, just to have it, you're ahead, way ahead of the, the Kia EV9. I'm not sure what, uh, I guess we need to see what these guys do at uh, 70 mile an hour, uh, you know, range test to see how close they are to their EPA numbers. But yeah. I would anyway. suspect the gravity would do good in comparison to them because of the uh, arrow of it. Right. Right. 
All right. Uh, see anything else we want to talk about that? Thank you very much, Dylan. We really appreciate that. Merry Christmas to you. Anything else we want to say about the lucid gravity? Anybody? No. Okay. So Kyle, you've been back in the country for a few days and I guess bored because you bought another, yet another electric car. So why don't you tell us what you got and why? It's been fun seeing this one. Well, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't out of boredom, actually. So um, here at home, you know, I, I recently bought this Mercedes B-Class electric. It was the cheapest electric car for sale in the country. I paid $2,999 for a really nice electric Mercedes cool car. Um, but the problem is it wouldn't charge. It had some like weird bugs and issues. So I brought it to QC charge and they are, you know, they dug into it and it wasn't as simple as just a onboard charger problem that actually worked. So there's another electrical fault somewhere in the Mercedes Tesla, you know, communication gremlins and it's solvable. Every problem is solvable. Uh, but we will certainly, um, you know, make sure that that uh, gets done, but it's not going to happen as quickly as we originally thought. And QC charges moving shops this week. So it just was delaying that process. So I happened to get on Facebook marketplace and just saw a $3,500 ad for a Volkswagen e-Golf, which is of course, you know, sort of a compliance car, also battery electric vehicle from Volkswagen before the ID four came out before the ID three came out in Europe. And this was um, the the first generation of the e-Golf. It's the small, I think, 21 kilowatt hour usable, something like that, when new um, version. Had about 86 miles of range when new. And it's a Golf. It's a Mark 7 Golf. So there's a million parts available for it. It uses the same suspension, same interior, same body as the standard combustion one, which they sold millions of. So we happened to be in the area when I found this car on Facebook Marketplace and I thought, oh, well, let's just go swing by and check it out. Let's just, you know, it might be an interesting video, especially, you know, if the B-Class was here, I wouldn't really need a, a little car like this. Keep in mind, I also have a Nissan Leaf, but that's with our friends Patrick and Liv from Mach-E Vlog out in California. So I keep getting these cheap cars and I can't drive them. So I was like, let's get a Golf. We test drove it. We made a whole video about it. Really beat to heck. I mean, truly beat to heck. 125,000 miles on a car that only has roughly 50 miles of range is dedication. I don't know who did that because it's all degraded now. So like when new, maybe it had 80. Now it's down to roughly 50, 55 miles of range, I would say. And... um so, yeah, basically it was the one option I wanted to make sure it had was DC fast charging because with a car with such little range, um, you know, it's just nice to be able to pop into a fast charger, juice up and go. The e-golfs charge really well. They hold peak charging to about 75% state of charge. So it sits at 44 kilowatts all the way up. So that's, you know, perfectly fine for me. That gets you another 40 miles um, you know, just hopping charger to charger. And here in the Denver metro area, there are DC chargers everywhere. So I thought, okay, pretty usable. You can't go on a road trip because it will limit your DC speeds based on battery temperature. It's an air-cooled battery pack. And so once it reaches, I think, 45 degrees C, basically you're down to level two charging speeds. But really, there's no plan to, to use DC charging much unless needed. And uh, overall, yeah, the car is just great. 3500 bucks got me a working car for transportation now it needs some love 
Um, I set myself a $1,500 budget to get it back into running order. I figured, okay, functional e-golf for five grand, get it dialed. And, um, you know, it needed a new windshield. That was surprisingly only $380 for a brand new piece of glass installed from Safelite down the street here. Um, needed all new suspension. So last night I went online and ordered every bushing, every <laughs> suspension component. And that's really the big where most of the expense is going um, into. I got coilovers for it. So we're going to drop it a little bit. Uh, adjustable sway bar end links completely new lower control arms with you know polyurethane bushings it's going to be a little bit like i could actually take it to an autocross and have some fun yeah yeah definitely. and colton had some wheels sitting in his shop some really nice rotiforms which are quite expensive quite volkswagen tuner ish wheels sitting around and um that that didn't go towards the budget because he just gave them to me he said they've been sitting in his garage for two years three years and i could just have them so now it's just now it's got a nice fresh and freshened up look it's still got this aero blade effect to it the wheels actually don't weigh that much more than standard certainly we're not going to get the range we did on the arrows but i think right. the alignment was so bad originally that i i brought it just for a quick initial alignment before we put this the put the suspension on um i think big wheels with an alignment will do more range than the aero wheels without the alignment because the front tires were like scrubbing the whole time Right. So um that's a big yeah. efficiency hit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean you would and and it's almost dangerous to drive. Like I, I don't think anyone should drive it till we get the suspension on. Um, because I had it on the highway and like you hit a bump and you change lanes. I mean, there's right. no connection to the road was, in this one. Was there something like disconnected in in the suspension somewhere? It's just completely worn out dampers and bushings. Oh, okay. I mean, because that's yeah. That was that's a severe situation. Yeah, yeah, it's really. I mean, it's it's fun and enjoyable for me to drive around because you're like, oh, snap over steer, catch it. <laughs> and, oh. and of course, like ESP doesn't work because one of the wheel speed sensors is gone. It, it's like a typical beat to heck golf. It just happened to be an e golf, and thankfully, parts are like so cheap for this thing. So, so I'm really enjoying it. So when you first looked at it, I think you said they had like 35 miles of range at 75% state of charge. Is it, did you, the range seem to improve as you charge it and discharge it a few times? Well, it's a guessometer. So it's probably been okay. just driven around parking lots with the heater on full or whatever. And so that gave a, a an artificially low range number. And okay. so now that we've opened it up and we've driven it, it certainly seems like 50 miles I can get out of that car even just driving gently down the highway, 60, 65 miles an hour, I'll get 50 miles out of it. I still think our smart car has slightly more range, but this has DC charging. And, you know, I just love a golf. I, I'm a Volkswagen golf fan. I always have been. And uh, it's one of those cars that's, you know, built really well, that's small and plenty of parts availability. It looks great. And now the steering wheel is straight. I mean, it's not connected, but I brought it in just for like a, basically a toe adjustment. Uh, at right. our local alignment shop. So at least we're not scrubbing tires going down the road now. So Wes Wesley Sandesusa asks, did you figure out the regen problem? No, I think that uh, regen problem, I think most of all of the problems come from one or two wheel speed sensors not working uh, because it shows up as electrical system fault. It shows up as ESP fault, shows up as steering fault. And I think it's all because it doesn't know how fast the wheels are turning. Uh, on all four corners. And since the tire pressure runs off of rotation instead of TPMS 
and other things. I think it's literally a simple, just get a wheel speed sensor on it and should be good. It's a pretty common problem on all Volkswagen uh, vehicles with high mileage from this era. And it's a simple, simple fix. I do have it booked into Volkswagen for a full check over and service and everything. Um, But they, they're a month out on booking. So I'm going to do as much as I can before I can get it into to Volkswagen. Right. It's cool. You got So go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. I have a couple questions. Yeah. Number one, whatever happened to the Coda? Why aren't you driving that around? So we just subject. got the, yeah, we just got the Coda, uh, maybe uh, the title for it. It's in the mail, whether it's arrived, I don't know. Oh, really? Yep. So that, that would spend the longest process as, um, oh. You know, I DGDG Del Grande Dealer Group gifted us this abandoned coda that they had on the lot. And we just got word that they've been in this battle with California DMV to release the title to out of spec, of course, but because the problem was it was never originally sold. So there was never a title for the vehicle. Uh-huh. DGDG no longer owns the coda of Silicon Valley retail store, which means they cannot retail sale a car they don't have the dealer franchise for. So that was the problem. They went to the California DMV. They explained the situation. And after about six months or five months, I have to go back and, and look all the time. We'll do an update video on it. Just last week, California sent them the fresh brand new title to DGDG. They're signing it over to out of spec and that's in the mail. And because of this news happening kind of now ish, the car is actually in uh, Colton's shop today getting completely restored. So it is having, I mean, the paint is coming back. You cannot believe it. It's this deep, rich metallic black looking amazing. The interior has been completely sanitized and deep cleaned. And um, we're doing a top balance charge on it today up to a hundred percent. It's LFP. So it needs to be top charged a lot uh, to know where, you know, where it is in the, in the cycle. And um, now it's all resolved. So I'll be driving the Coda around uh, here within maybe as soon as next week. Cool. All right. So what? Uh, uh, now I need to follow up with. So um, I I love that you buy these these cheap cars, the, the these inexpensive cars. It makes fun videos and everything. But I ha- also have to take you to task. You're buying up all the cheap, affordable used EVs. What 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 what, the, what does that what does the guy that needs that has a four thousand dollar budget wants an EV do when Kyle comes in, swoops in and buys up every cheap EV in the country? No, oh, I, what do I you mean, say to that? market be first. <laughs> <laughs> but but also on the other hand, like these are cars that I would not recommend to shoppers on a budget. Our oh, yeah, no, needed no, yeah. serious mechanical work that could have cost thousands of dollars. Our B class could cost. These are not cars that like, Oh, I'm on a budget. Let me buy an EV. These are um, like the, the e-golf needs an entirely new car. It's a project car. It's cars that nobody wants, you know, and, and, and yeah, the you're e-golf taking them on the lot and fixing for them up. Three months or four months. I think it ran through auction in July and then it eventually made it at this, like it's been sitting for long enough. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's not like, we're trying to say, oh, these are cheap EVs. Let me just get them. I want kind of one of every electric car is my eventual goal. <laughs> and we're going to work on um, having a little place in the coming years where everyone can come and, and maybe see them and drive them and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they're, they're yeah, w- would not recommend anyone on a budget to buy these cars. They're great. They make a good YouTube series. They show what's the worst case scenario when you're buying these cheap electric cars. Maybe spend an extra couple grand to get a sorted one yeah. is kind of you know the recommendation. 
It was right. uh, eight months ago that we saw this first post. So uh, you, you thought in your head it was five or six. It was yeah. way more. Like time flies. Just, you know, we're so busy. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, almost a year ago, we, we first saw this story crop up. And it's been a great story to follow. Yeah, the coda can't wait. I mean, it's really <laughs> looking great now. I mean, the, the shots Colton sent me the paint. It's going to look way better than brand new. Right on. All right. Hey, so last, really quickly, I don't want to spend much time on this, but last week you were in Germany and made a video showing us the largest charging station you'd ever seen, maybe the biggest ever, with 259 charging spots. 259. So interested people should probably go check out that video. But basically, I just want to know how well it all seemed to work because there's a train station right there. So travelers can park and maybe slow charge as well. But I assume there's also a host of DC fast chargers. I didn't actually watch the whole video. So, Yeah, so this is called uh, Mecklingen, the town of Mecklingen. On the way into this charger, you pass another absolutely amazing DC fast charging park with Ionity and Tesla with solar and a little uh, market where you can like purchase things. And I did a whole video on that. That's going to be coming uh, maybe as soon as tomorrow or the next day. And this is technically, as far as I understand it, the world's largest charging station. There is a charging station in China with 258 DC oh. fast chargers. Massive. Right. Then the German folks here did 259 slow chargers one more uh i really want to go you know it's it's not on the same level as what they're doing at that chinese shell station i think in shenzhen perhaps um but it's it certainly has the most number of ports in one parking lot there were a couple comments that there's some places in the nordics where like parking garages have little ac three kilowatt just their little shuko plugs everywhere and mm. is that considered a charging station or not i don't know but at least in terms of branded for EV charging with a payment terminal that meets all the modern standards, this is as as much research as I can find the largest charging park in the world. And it was cool to be there. Right. Yeah, I liked it. So, so was it all low level two AC charging? Um. It was all level two AC charging because the D oh, it's it's okay. meant so it's at a commuter lot. So it's at a train right. station. It's a park and ride slash train station. So you the idea is you leave your car there, and then you know, the European mindset is let's right. reduce our consumption, let's all fit into a little small car or a train, train and yeah. drive somewhere. In the US, we're like, we're taking our Hummer EV to New York City. So right. you know, it, but you're also really, sitting in traffic though. If you do that, so trains never have to sit in traffic. That's like the advantage, right? You're you're a very logical person. I am one of those people, <laughs> admittedly, who will drive a Hummer EV, you know, into a city because I don't want to deal with public transport. That's sure. not cool of me, and I don't recommend people to be like me. But I am. I have that whatever American culture built into me that I don't like the idea of this. Uh, but the idea of it is you drive your car. To a station where you then charge it and then you somehow find other forms of transportation to get you to where you need to go whether it's a bus or a ride share with friends or a train and that's what this is for and so no need for dc charging because the idea is you just leave your car there for a while no idle fees nothing like that and nice. and pretty much every parking spot under those canopies is uh, uh is a charging spot and it's a great place to have a big solar installation too because why not yeah, absolutely. So the solar creates about one megawatt hour of energy per year. 
which is not enough, of course, nearly to power the the chargers, sure. but they are working on even expanding this in the future to do on-site battery storage with another 100 or 200 charging stations on the outside of it as well. Uh, right now, the utilization is pretty low. Um, as you can imagine, if you put 259 chargers out of the middle of nowhere, it's not going to fill up on day one. Um, but over time, planning into the future, this is you know certainly a big expense right now, but it's a cool showcase and it's something that... Uh, you know, really makes a lot of sense and perhaps can be replicated on a smaller scale in metropolitan areas like my dad, for example, uh, you know, living in 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 Connecticut and the suburbs of New York City, he would always take the train into New York City, a commuter train. I totally get that. Put the these at the train station lots and uh, makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? The Excella or something like that? The commuter rail up there? Uh, I don't know. Accelera. There's a couple different ones. But that's the yeah, fast Tom, you know, That's in your neighborhood, Tom, right? Acela. Acela, right. Cool. Hey, Martin, did, did you buy a car this week? Uh, I did not buy a car this week, but it's not for the lack of trying. Um, I, I want a half-decent story, so i um, been bidding on a few cars. Just got outbid on a Tesla Model 3 Performance, three years old. Had all, the, had all the road rash uh, on the sills, uh, which is a very common problem. Almost a warranty issue. My friend uh, Nick, who does the EV Nick YouTube channel, uh, he's dealt with this before. Um, almost worth trying your hand at a warranty thing because so many people have had that done under warranty. Um, but also he waited like a year and a half to get Tesla to fix his paint, which they admitted and then kept fobbing him off so but he got he got his model 3 resprayed um because it was faulty just wow. to, forever to do it so um he got it so he had a year and a half old car and yet had a new paint job which was which was cool for him but uh, he's like yeah he said you know if not you know still spray is absolutely fine in terms of you got to pay for it so just got outbid on that um just got outbid on a polestar 2 i know that wasn't on our shopping list was it we talked about what i was going to get next um but it was um it was going really cheap and it had a um had the traction control a traction control warning on, which is fine. As Kyle says, everything can be, can be fixed. Now, it's only three years old, so maybe that's out of warranty now for Polestar, but whatever. It's it's Chinese. It's all Everything's fixable. Um, and I looked up uh, the error code on, the, and it's actually a battery issue. And that's the one thing I'm not willing to get into, because it was a 25 grand car. It's not a three grand Golf or whatever that you can have, have fun with. It's 25 grand Polestar too, and it's... When the error code said battery, I, I'm out. So I, I, uh, I took myself out of that one because it was it would have been a good price to get hold of that one. Um, but yeah, I got a couple more pole stars I'm bidding on next week. Hopefully between Christmas and year, the dealers are off. They're both going through the auctions. So hopefully people are having a, a little bit of sherry and mince pies and not not bidding up that uh, uh, bidding up those cars. But um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll get there soon. Also, I, I've had a really weird journey. Um, so I'm ill again, by the way, because. Oh. We, I have children, so I'm I'm just permanently ill these days. Um, but um, had a really weird week with 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 Tesla, and it's honest, it's such a journey because I you know I'm not the world's biggest Tesla fan, as you know. I'm sorry, I'm not the world's biggest Elon Musk fan. I'm a huge Tesla fan. Uh, the quicker he's out of the company, the quicker I think it'll become um, what it what it what he's holding it back from being. But um, uh, but uh, but I was like, right, it's fine. I'm going to buy a Model Three, um, probably long range. If I get a performance for the right price, I'll do that as well. Insurance is silly. It's like £1,200 a year for me, which, you know, I'm 45 years old and I live in a safe town. The car is on the garage. It shouldn't be 1200 quid, but it is anyway for a performance because uh, the pole starts £400, 450 Anyway, <laughs> I, I can stomach that. Um, and then he's like doing Twitter spaces with Alex Jones and Andrew Tate and they're his new best friends. And I'm like, I can't be bothered to be dragged into this world where my friends are going to be like, oh, you love Elon Musk now. I'm like, no. And 
And I'm like, this is ridiculous. He's just the CEO of a, of a publicly limited car, a traded company. I'll just get the Tesla because it's the best car. And I want to have a little play with one for a year. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to buy one. And then he removes the Disney Plus app because he's had a fallout with Disney on a different public company that's meant to be a separate legal entity. But he falls out with Disney and the D- Disney app comes off the Teslas um, for people that have never used it. For people that have used it, it stayed on. But the holiday update came out and they stripped out the app because, you know, uh, man baby got upset with something on his social network. And I'm like, I can't be bothered to get into this world of, oh, now my ultrasonics don't work because Elon... You know, because I would get a Model 3 that had ultrasonics. So I'd go 2022 or early. I think it was September 22, the Chinese cars came here and the ultrasonics came off and it went to vision only. So I'd get a pre-2022 Model 3. And and then I'm like, and I was on Reddit, on the Tesla forums and I'm on the Reddit forums and there's a guy who's got his Model S plaid and he loves it. He actually loves his plaid and he went in for service recently. Um, and when it came back, they disconnected his front radar. And they're like, oh, we're going vision only. So we disconnected it. And I'm like, at what point do you own a vehicle? And at what point does Elon Musk own the vehicle? And he can do what the heck he wants with it. So at some point, do I buy a Model 3 with ultrasonics? And then they go, hey, we're going vision only. So we're just turning them off. And I'm like, oh, I can't be able to get into that world. Then I come full circle and I go, who cares? I just like Tesla is objectively the best at so much. Just suck it up and buy one. So I've gone around in this really weird circle this week that I thought I'd share with you because I think it would probably sound really odd, but I don't mind sharing if people think I'm odd. Uh, It's genuinely where I am spending my own money on it. And I'm like, does it matter? No. Am I bothered? Yes. Why is that? Who cares? It's just a car. I think about the problems. It's, you're also in a different situation than most people where if Tesla does remove your ultrasonic sensors, that's a good video. That's a good know, podcast. So just do it. What's I so know, hard about this? I I know you school me on this all the time. You're like, come on, just do it. You're two weeks too late. Yeah, with this you decision. can just sell it anytime. That's the beauty of our market. You can you can buy it. You can hate it. Yeah. You can make videos as to why you hate it, and then you can sell it. <laughs> You're absolutely right, of course. So that's the yeah. weird journey I've been on in the last week. I haven't got one yet, but it'll happen okay. in the next couple of weeks. Okay, well, we'll we'll check in with you again next week and see what happens. Uh, So good luck. I'm not sure. Yeah, Christmas time. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know what the market's like this time of year, but there is. I mean, January's going to go up because all the car dealers come back in January and they're like, right, let's have at it. Here we go. And the prices are always, they always go up in January. Um, Not not prohibitively, but they will. So maybe over the Christmas period, I'll hit the auctions and and I'll get, get a little something. All right. So I, I do own a Tesla, and like you mentioned earlier, this week they sent up their Christmas update. And while it has some improvements, like a, the blind spot camera where you signal a lane change, there's a you know this little blind spot, uh, a little warning comes up when, you, when you're signaling for a lane change. Uh, there's access to the cameras in the B pillar now and the live camera view. So from your app, you can see better what's happening around your car. Oh, Merry Christmas from Tesla. That's very nice. I like that. Uh, Santa hat on the, on the uh, logo. Uh, they're also in- increasing text size and location of the driver monitor warning alerts in Model 3 and Model Y and an option to activate autopilot with a single pull of the right turn stock to simplify simplify activation and disengagement. Uh, increased attentive requirements. So there's a bunch of updates, uh, improvements in this update. Uh, and I understand that the in-car camera now is doing actual driver eye monitoring Though, as Martin said at the beginning, we're hearing, and I think Kyle mentioned this to me on the phone, that some people can 
cover up the uh, the camera and it doesn't turn off like the ability to use autopilot so that's kind of bizarre and yeah think- you can get these in the accessory shops or aliexpress or whatever just like the little slide across things for your webcam uh if you're just really paranoid uh, on your computer exactly the right. same as that it's, it looks super it looks actually quite nice and fitted on the tesla it just goes across your camera and you slide it across and then um uh, it's a few bucks i think from you know china and stuff so i've seen loads of people on reddit this week saying hey it works and you know stop nagging me um also people saying that their internal cameras are getting red hot when they use autopilot so obviously when you engage it it's then doing constant monitoring and they're like whoa is this dangerously hot but it's it's, i think it's working harder right so uh, so i made i may make a video for this uh for my channel later uh so far i've only had a chance to make a video about the changes to the fsd beta portion of the software, which were, there was a few changes. So I made a video on my testing loop and for a system that Elon Musk was convinced would be truly full self-driving by the end of the year, it had some like incredible fails, uh, right? So besides not like, I won't talk too much about this, but because we got to get moving on, but besides not slowing down enough while approaching a traffic circle and then like, stopping in the traffic circle, it's, it also failed to stop for like flashing pedestrian warnings with the with a guy halfway across the street and the other lane coming you know across the street didn't see any of that uh, so I had to you know intervene and then at a three-way intersection from a one-way street uh, it didn't even slow down for the yield and like drove right by the road closed sign that was there and would have driven myself into the curb if I hadn't like intervened to stop it but you know I was so busy so this is a weird little intersection. Uh, it's like a T. You're coming from one way. So on the right, I got to look up this hill. On the left, there's like a blind turn. So I, I wasn't. I want to make sure that you know the car. Uh, you know, they're not going to interfere with any other traffic. So I'm, you know, checking these things out both sides real quick. And I didn't even see that the road was closed sign like right in front of me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the car just barreled through it. So you know, big fails. So it did do some things better, like cutting into traffic and, and lane choices here and there were, were okay. But you know these things don't really matter so much if you're getting big fails that would kill somebody if there wasn't someone with their hands on the brake or, or hands on the wheel or their foot hovering over the brake. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of my little update on that. I don't know if anyone has any questions or not, but if not, we can move on. Well, I think it's worth talking about this this autopilot recall. It's been such big news, first of all. That sure. tes- every Tesla is being recalled. Also, back to 2012, before autopilot was ever a thing. I don't really understand that. Autopilot came out in... Do you know why, Dominic? No, I was wondering about that myself, actually, because uh, this is just to do with autopilot, with auto steer is really the, kind of one of the main things. Yeah, right? the early cars didn't even have adaptive crews. They were just basic crews. And right. it wasn't until, I think, September 2014 that Autopilot 1 came out and October 2016 where Autopilot 2 came out. To be totally honest, I have not researched this topic. So uh, I am just guessing uh, as to why the early cars are not included. Perhaps there is a reason. Um, my colleague Max did all the research on that. Uh, what I will say from just a user experience after getting the new update on my Model 3 is it's so annoying to use Autopilot now. So one of the things is FSD beta, I have a lot of experience with, and we have it on the Model X that I have here now, and it's just a pain for me to use. It's always hitting the turn signals at the wrong time, but it's so aggressive at making sure you watch the road ahead, which is great and nice. 
Um, and so now they, I think they've taken that same logic and put it in basic autopilot where it's constantly like, did you look over here at the screen? Did you look at the road? Beep, beep, pay attention. And, and really there's no way to like nudge the car to like say, Hey, I got my hands on the wheel. Like that has become so gentle now where it kind of pops out of autopilot a little bit and it's constantly warning and beeping you to do all these things. And yes, safety is so important when using these systems couple thoughts pop into my head. The more it beeps at me, the less I care about what it's beeping at me for. And I almost don't even want to use it anymore. I mean, just driving it, it, perhaps it's better on a highway cruise, but I was using it on like a fast B road. Um, It was still a four lane road, but it's, you know, typical 65 mile an hour speed limit, but it wasn't a closed access highway. And uh, it's gotten a lot more sensitive as you get towards intersections, which hundred percent, play attention um, you know when you're going through an intersection I'm already paying attention and the thing's beeping at me to like take over and do all this stuff and I'm like I'm looking and right. you know it's doing so I got so annoyed with it I just covered up the camera just as an experiment and it let me keep using the system that's crazy. so uh, you know they have the technology to know when the camera's blocked because FSD beta you get a strike um, when you have the camera blocked but it did not give me any strikes or any issues in basic autopilot uh, and I found that that really helped reduce some of the false warnings. So I'm like all fine for monitoring if they do it properly. But in my experience, it was dinging at me for nothing. And I just covered up the camera and uh, it just asked me to put my hands on the wheel, just put, you know, kept pressure on the wheel and we were good to go. And again, I'm not recommending that anyone does this. I'm experimenting with the system to see where the limits are. Um, but wow, it's like so frustrating to use it now. It's so annoying. So question on Super Cruise or the Ford Blue Cruise system, which they, they advertise as hands-free, do the other nags like that too? Or is it just like the, they have the eye monitoring? So as long as your eyes are good, it doesn't bug you? Yeah, no, they do. Uh, and certainly I have never jived really well with any of the eye monitoring systems. I get why you need it from a safety perspective because you want your eyes forwards. But sometimes you'll get a warning. Sometimes you get a nav thing. And it is... I'm not a safety expert. Don't take anything I'm saying as advice. All I'm saying is occasionally you look away sure, to read a message, to enter whatever it is while the system's rocking and uh, all of the eye monitoring systems freak out. The worst one though was in the iways Chinese electric car I was driving because okay. if you yawn, it starts beeping at you. <laughs> ah, right, right. Because you're tired. Yeah. And then sometimes yeah, yeah. it would think you've yawned when you haven't yawned. And it's like, pull over, find a place to rest. You're tired. I'm like, no, I'm trying to just get to my destination. Um, yeah, but uh, GM's a little bit better than that. Ford, if I remember correctly, is a bit more sensitive. We talk about all of these things in the hogback uh, videos. But um, yeah, so uh, I, I would say the new autopilot update as a user, really annoying as perhaps a safety increase much better. Uh, yeah. perhaps, because I think it's going to force a lot of people to not use the system. Uh, and therefore, they can't be blamed for crashing on autopilot. There's that. You got a question there, Tom? No, no, no. I, I was agreeing with Kyle. You know, okay. Uh, I think I think overall, it's going to suck for owners, but it is going to probably um, be the right ultimate decision, in my opinion, because I think I think Tesla was way too liberal. Um, and, and I know with with what they allowed the driver to get away with um you know how the system operated now maybe they went too much 
but um, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard line to tow. And um, I know I owned Teslas, so I had a lot of experience driving them. Um, and uh, I could tell you there were instances where I was like, wow, this is really unsafe. It shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to do this. Um, but uh, you know, then you go back to the argument of, well, people should be responsible for their own actions you know, and they should, they should be, you know, intelligent enough to know you have to look forward. The problem with that is if they're not, it's not just putting their lives in danger. It's, it's the other people that they're hitting and killing because they're not being responsible. So I get it. And uh, yeah, th- th- this whole walk to self-driving vehicles over the course of the next 15, 10, 15, we're not doing <clears throat> self-driving cars anytime soon, guys, it, over the next 10, 15 years or whatever, maybe 20 years, is going to, there's going to be a lot of, of bumps. There's going to be a lot of, of arguing on how far are we allowed to push it? How quickly can we go? Tesla has been really leading the charge and pushing the envelope. And to a degree, you need that. Um, but, but you know, I also understand why you, you, you don't need it. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, how many lives have we saved by, uh, you know, testing on animals with, you know, um, medications and so forth and so on. Like it's, it's the dirty stuff that we don't want to hear about, but somebody has to do it. And it's kind of like, you know, I, 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 I praise or, or commend Tesla for really pushing the envelope and, and making this something that the whole industry is looking at, like how far can we go that we're comfortable with? Because otherwise I think everybody would have been going a lot slower than they are now if Tesla didn't come out with this and say, we're just not going to pay attention to any rules. We're, we're, we're going to let people get in these cars and hop in the back seat and, and, and let the car drive down the road when it, when it really can't do it on its own. I think yeah. that that was like a wake up call for, for, for the industry. I'm not saying that was good. I'm just saying that, you know, that really pushed the other companies to, to, to say, Hey, how aggressive do we need to be on this? We don't want to be the last one to have a car that can drive itself. So sure. Yeah, I totally agree, Tom. It's we're in a gray area right now. And and to be honest, there there is, you know, a lot of folks out there completely focused a hundred percent just on safety. And I can totally resonate. I can get behind them and I'm like, let's monitor everything all the time and make sure this is you know, completely like the human understands they're involved. I am an advocate for, you know, autopilot and especially FSD are misleading terms. I totally am an advocate for let's have some better driver training so that folks using these systems can know how to take over, when to take over, make it a bit more predictable. Um, But then I also see the other side of it, certainly as a user, a heavy user, where I am using the car and paying attention. And then it's yelling at me all the time for not paying attention when I am. That's a, a bad user experience. And I think the answer is if you're going to compromise on either user experience or safety, compromise on user experience. I think that's the the correct uh, choice. Make sure safety is top priority, but we can all complain about how annoying it's getting with this new update for sure. The, the thing is you have to remember as well is that the way that the U S does it and Europe does it, it's entirely different. So over where you are, the Federal Aviation Authority and the roads it's in, it's a, a operate different policies. Whereas over here, we operate under the sort of the aviation policy with automotive. So over here, if you have a new technology that you want to introduce, you have to invent it, test it, prove it, then go to the regulators and go, we'd like to put this on the cars. And then when it's safe, it goes on. 
which is the way that your aviation industry works in the US, which is why you have some of the, we all have some of the, the safest experiences when we're on a plane because they don't beta test things on planes. Whereas quite uniquely, the way that the US automotive market is, it's worth reminding our viewers, is that you're allowed to do whatever you want. And if there's a problem, you might be stopped doing it. And that's the issue is over here, some of the tech that's come to the, like the German automakers, if you look at the Mercedes system, I think that the lights turn turquoise now when it's engaged, which tells people outside the car, autonomous systems are happening. And with Mercedes as well, they take on the liability of anything that happens when those systems are engaged. And they're not on all the roads all the time. You look what's happening in China as well, um, with some of the things like the navigation guided pilot and some of the X-Punk stuff. It's very, very impressive, but they're going about it in a different way. Whereas, whereas Tesla made this moonshot of let's create self-driving cars. And if we need to kill a thousand people to save 10,000 lives, well, logically, it's better to kill a thousand people to save 10,000 lives or more. And I get all that, but I just wonder whether that way of doing it, the moonshot way of let's create self-driving cars, whatever the consequences, as long as you know, one less person is killed than would have been, is, is perhaps the way that it's just not going to work with cars. Maybe the, maybe the way to do it is the way that Europe does it, which is invent some technology, test the technology when it's safe, put it on the roads rather than using drivers as beta testers. Not as much fun, of course, for like all those you know pe people who like to be tech forward and experiencing these cool new things. Um, but it's always worth reminding our viewers that there's very different ways of doing it around the world. And the way that like the, the, the corner that Tesla's backed itself into is going to be really interesting to see how they get out of it because they're so far advanced in some ways, but in another... I just get the feeling that a pile of pressure is coming down from the regulators and is going to get worse as, as well. And I don't know how it, how it gets better, you know, for them. Because they they have nailed all their colours to the mast of, we'll beta test this stuff on real-world highways. Like, we haven't got a, 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 a fleet of a 1,000 Tesla employees testing this stuff uh, before it goes to any, any driver, um, which they might have to do, which is why we don't get the cool stuff that you get. Right. Um, John Check asks a super question. Dom, does your full self-driving take you into turn lanes when you don't want to turn? Uh, it did not this trip, not this uh, run through the my dude loop. I call it the drive electric with Dominic. Acronym is dude. So yeah, not this time, but the time previous, actually, it, it did go into a lane that I didn't expect it to. And, you know, it, it took a, took a, basically, it took the shortcut that I knew existed, but the car never had taken before. But it got confused well, inside the inside this uh, intersection, and it ended up on this other road. It's a bit of a confusing intersection. It, it, it was kind of bizarre. But uh, so I haven't really been. So I don't do any highway on the on the dude loop. So there's no like of highway exits that it was. You know, I haven't seen it trying to take anything like that. But it, in town, yeah, sometimes the lane changes I think are, are wrong, or it doesn't get into the, the right proper lane soon enough. I had both experiences this time, there was one time where I thought it didn't get into the lane really as when it should have, when, when I would have. And, but then it, you know, it really very successful, very well and impressively interjected itself into the, into the right lane, into traffic, which I thought was actually kind of good. And then later on in the, in the loop, it actually did put itself in the lane that it hadn't chosen in the past. So it put itself in the, 
we're going to be eventually turning right. So it got in the right lane, like blocks and blocks ahead of where it needed to be there. So that was kind of nice to see that. I'm not sure if it was how intentional it was, but uh, you never know what's what's going on in the mind of the car when you're driving it like that. You can just kind of guess that, basically. So yeah. hopefully I answered that. Also, I just want to say I don't know about this whole this whole um, autopilot recall patch fix i have a feeling that being being able to defeat the driver monitoring like that i think it's going to end up with another recall again until they, they solve that i have a feeling but we should move on yeah there will always be people who defeat driver system systems but something sure. as simple as technology we know is already in the car from fsd beta where it knows when a camera is covered and gives you a strike mm-hmm. um to now it doesn't do it in the newest update. I mean, right. that was always the trick on the old autopilot. I thought they were going to fix that in this one. And it seems like it's still the same. It just asks you to touch the wheel a bunch when it doesn't see your face. So really well. quickly, we're talking about defeating. I, I, I have the Ford Blue Cruise on my Lightning, which I actually really love. I can't wait for Blue Cruise 1.2 because I know it's going to be improvement over the one that I have now. But I'm, I'll be driving up to Vermont soon for the holidays. I always do that. And the whole way I'll have Blue Cruise on. And it's just a great drive. But you do have to look forward. It will. It gives me maybe 15 seconds uh, at most of looking away before it starts um, annoying. You know, just enough to maybe grab something in the center or, or change, change something on the screen, but it's pretty, probably less than 15 seconds. I should, I should time it. But so I was just trying to defeat it. So I, I try different things. I put my sunglasses on. It sees through your polarized sunglasses at, yeah, to it sees your eyes. You know, if even I have really dark sunglasses, if I close my eyes, it knows my eyes are closed. So for the, for the hell of it. And I, I should have talked about this before. I should have taken a picture of it. I cut out pictures of eyes and I put them on my sunglasses. I taped them on the sunglasses. I'm like, I just want to see if I can defeat this. And, and yeah. but it didn't, it knew it wasn't my eyes. Like it immediately started to, you know, <laughs> to but it's, it's pretty well good. Like it, it, it really, I don't know how they have it set, but it, 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 you can't trick it. At least if, if anybody's figured out a way to trick it, let me know. Not that you should, but that was just like an experiment. I don't want to trick it. I just was like so amazed at how well it monitored my eyes. If I slowly close my eyes, it, you know, it it, 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 it it can really see your eyes. I'll have, I'll have to try that. So I need to do a similar kind of testing in my yeah. in my Tesla on FSD and autopilot. And I'll have to do that similar. Cut out test. some eyes and put them on your uh-huh, glasses. Uh-huh. John Chuck says he has a picture of me and hanging in the front of his camera. And it works for him. So I don't know. And anyway, at any rate, uh, on Tuesday, Volkswagen Group brands, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche. And as Martin reminded me at the beginning, Scout finally committed to adopting Tesla's North American charging standard and gained full access to the Tesla supercharger network. On threads, I shared the news, calling it the final nail in the CCS connector coffin, but I forgot about Stellantis. Uh, They still haven't announced yet. A little embarrassing, but they don't actually have a car in the U.S. that can DC charge anyway. Yeah, that's the (laughs) embarrassing part, is they don't have one battery electric model for sale in our market. Right. So I refuse to be too embarrassed about this then. So Kyle, we've known this was coming. Is it still a big deal? Um, yes. Okay. In a sense that this is the brand that was 
you know, holding out who would tell me for the longest time, we're never going to switch. <laughs> you know, I had quotes from Pablo to meeting with him with Tom, he and I together hammering the, you know, the head of Volkswagen, you know, of, of North America or USA, I think North America. And we we're like, Pablo, dude, what are you doing? No one is going to buy your cars. You a model Y is already cheaper, goes farther, has all this tech. You need to at least charge easily with your ID four. And he's like, no, we're going to stick with CCS. EA is amazing. All these things. I can pull up exact quotes if anyone wants to come after me over this. But, <laughs> um, you know, we were like, dude, that's just not going to work. And then I met with him again. And I was like, Pablo, dude, you really like this is not good. <laughs> like everyone's switching. When are you like, you're the last ones. This was uh, only a couple months ago in Germany. He's like, well, we're going to stick with CCS and, you know, EA is amazing. We just looked at our recent reports that EA gave us about their performance and they're doing good stuff. And I'm like, why would you trust a company to give you their own reports about their own service? Why don't you go on a road trip and see for yourself? Um, yeah. Anyway, um, after that one, some of the Volkswagen PR guys were like, Kyle, you know, I think we want to like update that response before we go live with anything like, you know, and I was like, OK, so someone's working on next. And I know some Porsche guys, and they were really pushing for it uh, internally. And of course, now the story is over. They switch. It's all great. And um, here we are. So great news. You can now comfortably buy a Volkswagen product, uh, Volkswagen Group product, and know you'll get an adapter. Uh, if you're searching for either a Porsche Taycan or Audi e-tron GT, some of their higher voltage ones, make sure it has the which is an option I used to suggest people not to get because we didn't know this would ever be a problem. But the larger onboard booster the, with the e-tron GT, I think it's actually standard for the US, maybe Canadian market as well, 150 kilowatt booster. Uh, for Taycan, it's standard at 50, which is really like 40 kilowatts, <laughs> and then can be upped to 150 as an optional extra. Uh, but that was never an issue. We never had a single charger that was more than 50 kilowatts that would be limited to 500 volts. So this is a very new problem, but hopefully you found someone dumb enough to order that option if you're buying a used car. That should now become standard, hopefully. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying if anyone from Porsche Product Planning, Abe, if you're watching, make that standard uh, You know, in Taycan for model year 24 in our market. I think yeah. a lot of the cars have it, uh, Kyle, because... You know, I used to do the when I used to do the dealership training, I worked with a lot of Porsche dealers and a lot of the salespeople would tell me, oh, we automatically check that box when we're order when we're ordering cars to, and, and we tell everybody, oh, you have to get it. You'll charge faster because they didn't realize that it wouldn't charge faster because there wasn't equipment that could allow it to charge fair. So they didn't realize that. And I and I corrected them and said, no, you're doing your customers a disservice. There's like, and there actually was, I think there was six chargers in the country at that point um, because Porsche had them like local. They knew where they were that that could deliver more than 50 kilowatts with that system. I don't even know where they were, but they, they had them. They're like, no, there's actually a couple in this country. But um, in any event, I convinced them to stop doing it. And whenever people called me and asked me about, a, a you know, configuring a, a Taycan, I would tell them, don't get the faster 400 volt uh, onboard charger because you're uh, uh, not onboard charger, uh, you know, option because you'll never be able to take advantage of it. Now, like they're going to be calling me back like, dude, like you screwed me. I, I got this car. It's only a couple of years old. Now I can't charge fast on Tesla. But um, that's that just shows you how fast tech is moving in this in this space and how fast the industry is changing. Guys like Kyle and I that kind of 
you know, pride ourselves on knowing a lot about how to recommend people. Like we're telling people something that was right a year ago right. and now it's not the right decision to make. So, you know, but any event, um, one thing I want to add about this, uh, this, uh, um, announcement. I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but I was the only one to have this. I broke this story. Did you? Oh, really? I mean, yes. it, it did. Oh, I did notice that it, well, I noticed it was an inside of these exclusive. exclusive on it. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I didn't realize so, until last night you were the one that wrote it up. I was the first one to publish this article um, because from what I understand, I was the only person Volkswagen told before they made the announcement. Oh, at least that's no. what that at least that's what they told me. And wow. and this this stemmed from months of me talking to Volkswagen and telling them you have to do this. You you know you're going to do this. And at first no, you know we we you know we're pretty, you know like Kyle was saying, we're 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 you know in lockstep with CCS. It's a global standard and all this stuff. And 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 I've had many conversations with people at at, at Volkswagen. So finally, a couple of months ago, I found out that this was going to be announced now. And um, uh, uh, I, I got, I convinced them to give me uh, advance notice so I can have an article ready when the announcement goes live. So on, on uh, 3.30, uh, whatever day it was this week, Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, I think. Volkswagen Tuesday. pushes the announcement and my article goes out at 3.30, the only one, because I, I knew it was coming. But, um, you know, so that, rarely do I get an exclusive, but... Uh, this time I did. I was the first. That was the first article published on this uh, on this thing. So you know, I think it's such a, a a good thing that everyone's switching. Technically, we shouldn't call it Nax anymore. It's J thirty four hundred. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I have the full standard. I have to read through it. I purchased it from SAE, as I do most things I'm interested in from them, and it's forty four pages long which I was literally terrible. just about to ask you guys has anyone paid the 200 bucks that I can uh, that I can save and of course Kyle's yep. done it so that's mega yeah. thank you I can't on air tell you I'll send it to you but technically no, I know as, you won't. as no. someone who yeah. helps us never send company, it to you. I think it's I think it's a company license I need to double check but if it's an out of spec license then yeah but, well, uh, I, you know, I, I do contribute to out of spec occasionally, and yeah, no, that's that, that, would that be I've been on the podcast a couple of times, and so I need to be up to up to speed. I'm just uh, yeah. just curious. So, yeah, that's the, the fascinating timing was this was the 18th, and then what was it, the 19th or 20th? You just said for for VW, which yeah, I mean, we, we say it all the time about the the the, the German OEMs doing everything by the book, over engineering things sometimes, but it's why we love certain companies. Um, and I'm entirely not surprised that this standard was published and then VW said, now we can be public. I, but I think it right. was independent. I really do. do I don't, I yeah, do. I do yeah. Yeah. But, but it works out timing wise. Um, also just a lesson. Don't trust companies. Yeah. Just always ignore anything a company tells you because for the longest time, Tom has been with me, Volkswagen, the head of Volkswagen of our market was telling us this will never happen. Global standard. It's why you don't trust people. And um, yeah. So here's another case as to why you shouldn't trust Volkswagen because they told us, by the way, for everyone thinks I'm sponsored by Volkswagen. I'm not. Every, anytime I review a car, Oh, they're paying Kyle. No, they, they lied to us. They did not tell us they were working on this. And now, it's good. Hmm. So quick uh, 
thank you, Rivian Update, for, for that. I uh, appreciate it. That's uh, if you if you follow if you're on social media and you want to know what's going on with Rivian, Rivian Updates is a nice little account to follow. That's my buddy Isaiah here in town. He's great. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. So, Incidentally, I was talking to somebody recently who is not board level at Stellantis. I wish I knew people at that level. Holy moly. Close to board level. Um, very senior department leader at Stellantis. And he said, yeah, of course we're going to go next. There's just no reason why we would go with a big announcement. Why would we? I said, actually, you've got a very good point. He said, why Why would we talk about it now? And yes, it's on the, it's on the, on the roadmap and we'll do it. So we'll announce it at some point. There was no denial from Stellantis. Yeah, they need from, a car first. Exactly. Uh, right. From the guy I spoke to. But again, right. this was very much a, a conversation uh, where he also, um, also I, I can share it off the air, but he also used to report very senior uh, position, used to report directly to Elon Musk uh, back in the day before he left. And he, I got some great stories about um, uh, about that as well and about uh, about what people in the factory are and are not allowed to wear on the days that Elon visits. <laughs> but I'll tell you off air, guys. Yellow, I believe, was a, is a rumored thing. That's, that. that's, that's the rumor. That's the rumor. Not a fr- yeah. Uh, Which is unfortunate because if you have to ha- wear a yellow safety jacket for your job to then not wear any yellow safety equipment uh, on the day that the CEO arrives would be unfortunate. But I cannot confirm or deny that that happens at Tesla. They would never, ever compromise safety for one person's neuroses. Never. They would never do it. They would never, back, never. Back on the topic, back on the topic of, <laughs> of J3400, I just want to say you're welcome to everyone because me buying the e-golf that was the true catalyst <laughs> to Volkswagen right. going max. Uh, you know, they saw, wow, out of spec, got a Volkswagen. We got to make sure this, di- I will be amazed. It's if got 50 they- miles of range. So you need, he needs fast charging everywhere. But imagine they like say Volkswagen will get adapters and they just leave off the e-golf. <laughs> I wonder what models like Polestar's going max as an example. Will my Polestar one get an adapter? Don't know. I've already right. Magic Doc charged it at a supercharger. It communicates and charges fine. Oh, so I would be a quick question: If you don't, if you if if it doesn't, I mean, it's like what Chevrolet did with Spark EV. Um, they just didn't uh, work with Electrify America or EVGo or ChargePoint or any of the companies yeah. to make to to fix the compatibility issues. And I talked to the the companies, Electrify America, all of them, and they're just like. We're, we're, we're reaching out to them and saying, hey, there's a communication problem here. Help us fix it. You give us some information. They're like, eh, we don't sell it anymore. That was a compliance car. Don't worry about it. Don't waste your money on it. We're not going to waste our time on it. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Volkswagen does that with the e-golf, Kyle. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just to sort of tip, segue into our next story and sort of tip onto that. Uh, interestingly, with Ford and GM saying February is when they get it. And Carl, you were saying that you've got a theory about this staggered, staggered rollout. Is there more details yet on when our viewers and listeners can get the adapter? Has any of them talked, because I've missed a lot of the news this week. Has anyone talked about this is when our store will go live or this is when you can get it? Like the practicality. Uh, so I have seen the adapter and I've seen the spec sheet for the adapter. I, for the life of me, can't remember who showed it to me. So I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble. Um, but uh, yep. Don't know production dates, but I do know someone who's working on the production line or at least is involved with the production for that, uh, but they can't tell me anything. And so they're all I coming from the same company, like the same supplier, isn't it? My my understanding, well, I, I, I just, I don't know. I shouldn't say. Oh, okay. I don't, okay. I really don't okay. know. But uh, it sounds like if they're going to get adapters um, soon, they're probably already in production. They're, they're, mate, right. they're, they're in a factory in China somewhere, so. I think 
thought I think US. it's going to be US. Okay, um, so and are they branded? Are they Ford branded or Tesla branded? Or, Tesla or, branded. Tesla is uh, doing the adapters. That's because I knew that Tesla would, were or they were supplying the other OEMs. Yeah, um, I don't know about exact like yeah. stamp on it, but yeah. Tesla is at least for the early automakers. Um, they are doing the adapters. I heard some rumors just from attending Charin and some other things that perhaps Tesla ran out of their allotment for adapters and they're working on a certification process, perhaps for a third party. We know Tom did this thing with this third party adapter. There's now 50,000 of them that all claim they can do NACs and CCS stuff out there. Half of them are going to be extremely dangerous and unsafe. And I urge you to, you know, we're going to be getting into adapter safety and figure out a little test that we can make sure like stuff's good. And there's a now consortium around adapters uh, as part of uh, in collaboration with SAE and IEEE and all these other folks involved. But it's yeah, February. That's awesome. So my understanding is Tesla is going to do a staggered thing where I heard a Tesla representative um, mention in a courtroom or in a pitch or something for planning that they're going to open it up. I, I don't know if it's going to be in order of when automakers joined. That kind of seems to fit with the press releases where Volkswagen's not getting it till 25 and the early ones are 24, late 24, early 25. Um, right, yeah, Tesla rep at a planning commission meeting. Yes, and that's where she mentioned it's staggered and Ford and GM are first. Right. Is it it also it seems fair, doesn't it, that Ford took, uh, not the risk, but they did, st Ford stuck their neck out. And yep. it only seems fair that Ford would be first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And and talking about Kyle mentioned that I had, um, I worked with a company. It was A to Z. I didn't work with them. They sent me one. Um, I just got yesterday their production version. Okay. Um, so basically what I had last time was a prototype. It was kind of like something that was um, uh, made in house so that they could um, test it and also um work with some of the OEMs to say, hey, what what do you like about this? What do you not like about it? Which they did. And uh, the OEMs used it for a while and came back to A to Z and said, okay, if you want us to um, not tell people not to use this, I don't know if they'll officially endorse it, but if you want us to not say don't use that, you have to do this, 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 and this. And what they did was they took all that information they made changes. This has a lot of updates over what my original one has. I'm going can to be I doing see a the face of it. What's the, that? Can I see the CCS side? So those are exposed screws where a user could open it up, right? This on this on this front side, there are two screws. Yes. I wonder why they wouldn't just mold that so it's not user. Yeah, you know, I, you can't tamper I, with I, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's got to well, be tamper-proof. Well, so, so let me follow up. I'm going to be doing a video on this um, soon, an interview, and I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions. So there's a question right there that I was already going to ask, but if anybody else has other questions, leave them in the comment stream here. Um, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to have the CEO of A to Z on, and I told him it's just going to be me badgering you on safety. And, and why should people feel comfortable buying this? I but said, do that's we what trust the CEO of a company well, to explain their say? I'm just, I don't want to be, uh, I, I just, first of all, this company is annoying because they were really, honestly, social media rude to us for giving questions about their adapters. So first of all, I don't have a good impression of them. And secondly, um, 
Do we trust the CEO of a company to, to be honest about their product? Shouldn't we have a third-party independent person who's tested the adapter like yourself and done temperature monitoring and drop tests and you know understand how the internals work rather than just relying on some figurehead of a company to talk? Not to I, This is not just for A to Z. This is for every adapter company. Uh, yes, we should. And I told, and I did a whole video on adapter safety back, you know, a couple of months ago. The problem is, Kyle, we don't, at this point in time, we don't have a governing body that does this with this. We have an outline of what should be done. I think by UL, um, uh, somebody produced a, a, a white sheet on what should be done. And I know that uh, A to Z got took that white sheet and followed that protocol. Did they follow it to the T? We don't know. It hasn't been tested. But none of them that are coming out now and as you mentioned are going to be are going to be tested. I'm not endorsing this over that over the other thing. Um but it's a topic that I think people want information on. So I agreed to have uh him on again, I mean, and ask him a whole bunch of questions about it. Um, but what I will tell you is he has worked with other OEMs, okay? The, the problem is, and everybody says, well, I want to know who, and I want to know what they say. He's got NDAs with all these companies. And, and he's, he, you know, that, that, and that's typical in this industry. And he has offered to send me copies of, uh, as long as I sign an NDA with him, copies of the what he has, um, the back and forth with, these major companies and what what they've said to him as far as like do they approve it is it okay now is it at a point where they don't mind if their customers use it i haven't agreed to do that yet because i don't i don't think i want to have an nda with him because then i can't say some things that i want to say so but he has offered to to do that so i can he can prove that he's worked with some of these major companies that have said this is fine for us our customers can use this we're comfortable with it after testing it so, but in any event, we're going to have a um, uh, a video coming up soon where we're going to talk about this and um, and uh, uh, and talk about charger safety. So, if people want to have uh, uh, questions, throw them in the comment section. I'm going to ask a whole bunch of uh, of questions, and we'll go with that. But as to Kyle's point, there's going to be tons of these out there. Um, Tesla's going to sell those. You can be sure that buying the Tesla one, you're going to be okay. Um, uh, let's see what the price point comes in with the different ones. Uh, but if, if you have these established companies saying that they're okay with this one or that one, I think that you're, you know, you could feel comfortable that the company has tested it. If Ford says, yeah, we don't have a problem with you using this or another company says, you know, yeah, you know, there's a few out there that we endorse that you can buy. I don't see a problem with but so, you know, we, I think there's um, going to be a testing body at some point. We just don't have one yet. Yeah. And it's, it's starting up now and it was a big topic at Charm this year, but I think what could work for adapters perhaps for whatever approved ones, whatever standard is, you know how like Apple has their like MiFi, whatever, like little chip in here that says it's from a certified, you know, third party or mm -hmm. whatever it is to, to work. Um, yes, it will require some, some updates on chargers and I'm not really sure there's a way to implement it because right now adapters are just completely passive in terms of communication. But if there was ever a way to implement something like that, which there may not be for existing infrastructure, that makes a lot of sense. But I think it's also important to caution that 
The safest adapter is no adapter. Every adapter will have inherent flaws in it. And it's going to be truly a disaster in the years to come. The whole NAX movement that we push so hard for is going to cause backlash in terms of safety and with adapters. There's no way around it. And especially as your adapter may work great on day one, and it may suck on day 7,000 when you've cycled that things a million times. And it's going to be a little bit of Wild West. And the problem is it's almost like not going to ever go away because we have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of cars on the road that are going to need adapters. Um, and until someone offers a easy charge port swap that becomes mandatory at some point in the future to keep these cars on the road, adapters will be a thing and it will be dangerous. There's no way around it, sadly. The, 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 the only thing, and I, and I don't disagree with that, but the one thing I will say is a lot of people aren't going to use them often. You know, it's, 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 it's not like this is your home charging solution where every day you use it. Like for instance, myself, I would use this five, six times a year. Cal uses it five or six times a week. You know, when you're driving California to Colorado, to Florida, to I Texas. I have fried, but, I fried yeah. two Tesla adapters, yeah. completely and, fried. Yeah. So, uh -huh. I mean, uh, that just goes to show you how much he drives, but for the average person on a, um, you know, that does long road trips uh, a few times a year. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not certainly not advocating for buying something that's not safe. I think, think the ones that are relatively well engineered, if, if not perfect, will will give you many years of of, of use. Um, but the, the problem is, how do you distinguish between the ones that are pretty well engineered and the, the really bad ones? Um, you know, uh, it... it you know, you have to, yeah, that, that's going to be difficult. And I think, I think people like Kyle and myself that are going to be out there talking about these, making videos about them, doing the best that we can to, to help guide people in the right direction is going to be important because it's just like uh, charging equipment. People don't know what to buy, you know, and, and they go to Amazon and I've said this a million times and they click on, you know, a char charger and then sort by lowest price. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could do. And for these, it's going to be even worse. I mean, uh, the other way around the, 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 uh, CCS to, te to Tesla adapters, um, you can buy some of them online for like a hundred bucks, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're from these no name brands that never came out there. You're you, if Kyle, if Kyle melted two good Tesla adapters, you, you know how he would have, he'd be on his 15th by now if he bought one of those those, those crappy ones. So, um, we'll, we'll, you know, I know, I know Kyle and I, for sure, there'll be other people are going to be out there trying to help you guys sort through this. Um, and, uh, I, I will have a video up shortly after the new year and I'm going to hit him in with as many tough questions as I can. Um, that's the best I can do. Uh, I I'm not, I, I test chargers in here, but I'm not sophisticated enough to take this thing apart and really tell you if it's, if, if it should be certified safe. Um, but but we'll use the crap out of them, and we'll try to break them, and uh, that that's really um, that's really all we can do. Um, yeah, tell him to send us one if he wants to work with us. We'd love to at least try it out. And uh, you know, I tried an adapter on my car. Company was so confident they sent me one. It literally like burnt my hand while I was unplugging it. They're like, oh, we got an updated part. Yeah. And then it was even worse. And I'm like, what are you doing? That, that, that's like these charging companies that yeah. they're like asking for it when they send me their chargers. And I open the box and I'm like, oh, 
this yeah. thing's going to be hard. By the way, and I've segue. I know we're running late here today, but we'll, we'll give them a little bonus because it's a holiday. <laughs> Since you're talking about that, Kyle, about you know getting surprised. So Autel sent me their latest charger. I like Autel. Or Autel has a really good line of chargers. One of the things that I was really disappointed in last time was their cable. It was the worst cold weather cable I ever tested. It was hilarious. If you watch the video, it was like a frozen garden hose. It would I could hold it, and it would just stand straight out, the cable. So they have this new cable, and they said it's going to be better. They're like, Tom, you know, as soon as we saw your video, we immediately, um, you know, the, 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 the board, you know, back in, I think they're based in China, was like, you know, we have to improve this. Let's make it. So as soon as we have a new cable, we're going to get you a unit. So they they got the new cable. They sent me. It's been in my garage for a couple of months because I'm, I'm, I'm so backed up with these reviews. So I finally get to review it. So um, I'm in the middle of the review. That's going to come out next week. Right now, it's sitting in the freezer over here. And uh, uh, I'm going to do the cold weather cable test right after we uh, the show here today. But. My, before I even put it in there, I'm bending it and I heat it up and then I cool it down and I sat it outside because it's cold here now. And I'm like, this doesn't seem better. It might seem worse. So so I'm so anxious after this show to get that thing out of the freezer and see how it tests because I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't think they made an improvement. I hope I'm surprised. I haven't, since I sat it in there, it's been more than 24 hours. I haven't opened up the freezer or whatever, but just the jacket seemed really stiff. And even in at room temperature, when I bent it, I could hear it like cracking. So like, mm. I don't know. I, I love hotel. They have really good units. I rec there. It's a recommended uh, unit for me, but, um, uh, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I think they didn't solve their cable problem and it's such a, a unnecessary miss, you know, Emporia. I, I, I complained a little bit about their cable. Now they're using Tesla's cable. The same cable that Tesla uses on the wall connector. It's a great cable. It's thin. It's flexible. Like just, just, just stop all this crap. Just buy that cable, and 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 you'll have a great unit. You know, if it costs you three dollars more, then that's fine. But in any event, um, I know we're going to be heading out soon. But before we do, I want to mention something. Um, for the holidays, I'm going to give away a Emporia 48 amp uh, charger. Uh, for one of the uh, batteries uh, included uh, uh, followers, uh, what, what I what I need you to do, and you can choose either CCS or with the um, the new NAX or J3400 connector, your choice. If you want it with the NAX connector, they're not going to ship until February, maybe March. But you can you can have either one. It's your choice. There's the, and this is what you have to do in order to enter. You have to send me an email at um, with um, Emporia Charger giveaway in the in the uh, the title to evstateofcharge at gmail.com. So it's evstateofcharge at gmail.com and take a screenshot of you following, um, you know, when you follow batteries included, uh, take a screenshot of that, put the screenshot in and uh, give me a short, a description or explanation of why you need a charger. So I, I, I want to hear what your situation is and why you want, uh, why you want a charger with the screenshot that you have subscribed to batteries included. And, uh, sometime in January, I'll announce the winner on the show. You'll give me your address and we'll ship it out to you. 
So to be clear, which uh, like a social media platform or on YouTube, the subscribing to us, where what exactly? Here on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. And well, well, you know, it would benefit if you if you showed us you're subscribed to as many social media things as you want. So take yeah. as many screenshots as you want. That might uh, influence the uh, our decision to uh, uh, select you as the winner. We are on all the social media platforms except <laughs> Blue Sky and some other one. I run. You know, Twitter, X, Threads, Spoutable, Postbot, Post.News. Wow. You don't have to go crazy with it, but the (laughs) the major ones, you know. I was initially just talking about here, but if you want here and Twitter and whatever else, that'd be great. But let me know why you need uh, this, why it's important. I don't want to just give it to someone that doesn't need one. Um, Give me a little explanation of, you know, your situation and why you want one. Let me know if you want the NACs or 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 the CCS. Uh, uh, Nax or the um, J1772 version, and uh, we'll ship one out to you uh, after the new year. Right. So people are, are joking that I'm going to win because I was taking down that info right away, but uh, I have a charger in my garage, so it's all your people. Thank you very much for your generosity there, Tom. Really appreciate that. And yeah, look forward to seeing how that all works out. Uh, okay, uh, before we go, we're called batteries included. So I wanted to talk about a battery real quick. Um, so the founder and chairman and CEO of Chinese automaker Neo, William Lee, went on a promotional road trip in a Neo ET7. That's the company's large uh, sedan fitted with a 150 kilowatt hour semi-solid state uh, battery developed and manufactured by a company called Weilion, W-E-L-I-O-N. Um, averaging about 52 miles an hour, that's 83.9 kilo, uh, kilometers per hour. He drove 679 miles. I believe he had like 3% left over when he arrived. Efficiency for the drive was 212.4 watt hours per mile or 13.2 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers, which is pretty decent, especially considering the temperature range from 20, 28.4 Fahrenheit to 10.4 Fahrenheit, that's minus 2 to minus 12 Celsius. Of course, the big deal, though, is about this battery is the energy density. So it holds 360 watt-hours per kilogram, making it the most energy-dense cell being mass-produced right now. Uh, well, mass-produced might be overstating it a little bit, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so also, despite being prismatic cells, they are using a cell-to-pack design, so no, no, no modules which keeps the overall weight down. So this pack weighs 575 kilograms. So the energy density at pack level appears to be, with my math at least, 261 hours per kilogram. So that is a lot better than the Tesla Model S, which is about the best energy density at the pack level of cars from Western manufacturers at 187 hours per kilogram. So the Wee Lion battery pack is about 33% better than our best. So that's a significant improvement. So apparently these batteries are really expensive now, though. So maybe in the neighborhood of like $40,000 for 150 kilowatt hour pack. Uh, so about double the price of a nickel cobalt manganese pack. So NEO is planning on putting them in its battery swapping stations. So drivers can at least try them out for a lot less than it might cost to you know buy them outright. And uh, WeLine is planning on... To, is going to start shipping these batteries to NEO in April. Uh, but they only tend to produce about a thousand of them a year. So this is, you know, Reliant is not like a huge Chinese manufacturer. They're, I mean, this might, this deal might raise their uh, profile by quite a bit, actually. 
And, you know, there could be a lot of growth in the future for them. I don't know. Uh, 360 watt hours per kilogram is a great gravimetric density for cells. So it's like they say, it's semi-solid state. It's not necessarily solid state. And we've seen some bigger numbers for future product, but this is like basically here now. So I don't know. I don't know. Real quick, Tom. Oh, Tom, are we in, in trouble here? No one, no, we don't have batteries advanced like this. So when you mean we, you mean you and me? Like we, the <laughs> North American. I'm not selling batteries. I'm not in competition with them. North um, American auto market, automakers. Well, we don't and, make and batteries things. here now anyway. The batteries are, most of the batteries are coming from China. I know there's some made here, but the cutting edge batteries seem to be coming out of Cadle. And, uh, you know, I mean, China, we get, I know, 15, right now, I think 15% of the all the auto part imports are from China. They're already an enormous supply to us. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's problematic that we we don't seem to have real cutting edge battery technology here, considering that the that's the the industry is going to be moving to battery electric vehicles and the battery's the biggest component. So I, I'd like to see domestic um, battery production, but you know the Chinese ha have um, recognized that the go Chinese government recognized that there's going to be this huge shift. I think sooner than our uh, government has and they've been incentivizing and um basically funding uh research in this for you know uh, maybe a decade now uh, so of course we're behind uh, i think you know we we i mean we we operate differently here with free market and everything than right. than, than than they do in china but you know the chinese government has, has been funding this research and giving all kind of tax credits and everything and that's why that's part of the reason why they're so far ahead of us. You know, we've been kind of going back and forth from administration to administration. This latest administration has done something with the Inflation Reduction Act to incentivize production of of uh, of, of batteries here. The past administrations haven't been friendly to research in batteries because they prefer to incentivize coal. But I mean, you know, that, that, that we're not going to get to where we are. You know, we're at a we're in a gunfight. We're fighting with a knife. If that's the way you want to look at it, with comparing U.S. battery technology with China, they they've been fully behind this and funding research and development for battery technology for a decade now. And and now we've decided, oh, we better make batteries here because that's the future of the automotive world. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I don't know. It might be it might be too late. We might never catch up with battery tech. Uh, at this point. So, you know, if, if the we you mean is the U.S. are in trouble, uh, you know, uh, we're well, in trouble as far as selling batteries, at least now, I, you know, th th that might be an industry that we already seeded. Right. Um, yeah. But we're going to be making batteries here in the future because we're incentivizing, you know, the minerals and processing, you know, with the, uh, with the IRA Act, like you mentioned. So, uh, you know, I just... I'm just thinking we don't have the like the tech edge necessarily. We could have some breakthroughs. We are doing there's a lot of research here into into batteries as well. So, and there are some promising, uh, you know, there's some promising technology out there. But uh, really quick, I should also mention because other some commenters are are bringing it up in the comments that uh, Zeker, which is a, a Geely brand, also showed off its so-called golden battery this week. It's an LFP pack. Uh, they showed it withstanding like a thousand degree fire. Uh, 
super cold temperatures for eight hours. They ran over it with a 22-ton steamroller. <laughs> they dropped it from 33 feet, and then they stuck it in the car and drove away. Uh, so according to the company, the 800-volt pack can handle peak charging power rates at of 500 kilowatts. Uh, maximum uh, power rate is 4.5C. That's the, the power. That's a that's a metric of the power output. Um, and 4.5C is very good. It's yeah. It supposedly can charge 10 to 80% in 15 minutes. So that battery is supposed to go into the Zeker 007, which launches on the 27th of this month and is reported to be 100 kilowatt hours. So that's pretty impressive. The company also has a, announced a large uh, charging network expansion in China. It plans to have uh, 10,000 charging points by 2026, up from 2,261 today, as well as a new 800 kilowatt fast charger it already makes a 600 kilowatt charger as well right so the idea is to have 15 minute charging available within 15 minutes of all their customers so so that's that i don't know if anyone wants to comment on that news at all that's some fast charging though kyle 600 kilowatts 800 kilowatts can't wait to see the curve if right absolutely all right. So, oh, and on the Neo thing, I didn't. We didn't mention it. It's battery swapping as well, which is Neo's thing. So, as technology improves, same same dimensions uh, with better technology inside those dimensions. And so, for all those that say battery swapping doesn't work, and I agree, it works in some places of the world, and it doesn't work in others. One of the benefits of having an agreed set of dimensions that now other car makers are going on board with Neos. Um, technology and so it'll be interchangeable with other brands uh, as that technology gets better then you can say go on a road trip for the holiday season and pay a little bit extra get that big thousand kilometers range and then not need to carry around so much range for 50 weeks of the year and you pay a little bit less on your lease each month if you're leasing the battery so it's not really a big deal outside of China, as everyone knows. But one of the advantages of technology improving and battery swapping, that's where it can work really well. Because over the next 10 years, who knows where it could end up. Right. Man, we're right up against our time. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of the show. So many things I wanted to share today, you know, um, like this this uh, Russian EV has been tested. <laughs> it looks like, you know... We, I mean, the world has been waiting for this design i'm showing on on the screen here uh, for like a long time and it's it looks like it's now finally coming here from from russia and uh, so we can all rest easy it's it's just a thing of beauty i know t kyle's I already it. kyle's already trying to figure out how to order one that's great <laughs> yeah i dug up a whole lot of information about this thing but it, yeah it's not really that important um we know we know that Kyle is creating the Noah's Ark of EVs, and he he wants two of everything in his collection. So we'll get a couple from Russia and stick those in the in the fact in the uh, not the factory in the warehouse. Yeah, one one day, one day. But but for now, I I think it's fun to do these. You know, everyone has always been complaining we cover too expensive cars, right? And so we've been doing the cheap cars to yeah. try and balance it out. That's I think that's a great. I love the cheap cars, Kyle. I really do, actually, like sincerely. Uh, so before we quit, before we go real quick, some some news things we did mention. The 2025 Ram Charger 1500 uh, has 140 miles, 141 miles of EV range. VinFast VF9 will be a little less expensive than expected. Tesla has confirmed it's working on wireless EV chargers. Don't uh, make plans to drive your Cybertruck across the ocean, people. 
<laughs> Elon Musk was saying the it might go a hundred meters on water if we they sell some sort of kit. I don't know. Don't don't do any of that. Don't but die. did you hear it has a pressurized pack? <laughs> I did. Yes, that's really cool. It's sort of, except some people are saying, "Well, why don't we just seal it properly so we don't well, need to need, pressure it?" Uh, well, it's mostly for like fire stuff. If there's a thermal runaway, there are. Um, you know, pressure relief valves in every battery pack, okay. and so if you can keep some b positive pressure in there um, right. from the air compressor, then then you're good to go. Right. Yeah. So it, it could work as far as at least the battery. There might not be water ingress into the battery, which would be great because that would you know kill the car and you probably sink and and drown. But uh, well, no, you just keep the window down and then crawl out. Let's not jump to the worst. You're not going to just die if you drive oh, in water. Oh, I think I always think the worst thing. If I have a if I have a cough, you know, I'm 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 going to be dead tomorrow in the ground. You know, so my mind's always going to the worst possible. Uh, what's going on with our fast charger? We are in the process of selecting an electrician to install it. We've had uh, quotes anywhere. Uh, as high as, uh, I don't even know it's getting, it could be quite expensive or quite cheap. I don't know if like cheap means bad quality or expensive. I, I mean, don't know. So we're in that world right now of, of taking bids. All right. Very exciting. So that brings us to the end of our show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them below or get in touch with us on the social media platform of your choice. Uh, don't forget if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up subscribe tap that bell icon for notifications uh thank you all again for joining us it's great hanging out with you this morning we'll see you all again very soon ciao happy holidays everyone